0: It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman.
2: Welcome to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in Do you have trouble staying motivated in your quest for transformation? According to today's guest, Jen Sincero, in order to achieve mental and emotional success, you have to develop a daily spiritual practice. Jen is an author, success coach, and motivational speaker. She is the creator of the Badass Book Series, including her most recent, You Are a Badass Every Day, How to Keep Your Motivation Strong, Your Vibe High, and Your Quest for Transformation Unstoppable. Welcome, Jen. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. So Jen, you know firsthand what it takes to transform a life as you had to do the hard work on your own. Tell us a little bit about what got you started on the journey of helping people to live an empowered life.
3: I got started because I found such incredible results when I went through my own transformation and I truly believe that if I could do it, anybody could because I was so mired in my negative crap for so long. And once I made the decision to turn it around, uh, it actually worked. So I figured I had to share that information with as many people as I could.
2: So, Jen, what was your life like during that time?
3: Well, I basically was in my 40s. And I had a great life, don't get me wrong, like very blessed to have the life I've had, but I was always incredibly, incredibly broke. And I just I just had this money story that was such a bore. And um I found myself in my forties living in a garage, make you know, making hardly any money, really struggling. And, you know, not only you know, it's no fun to be broke, but also just feeling like So down on myself and sad that, you know, this is the best I can do. It was just incredibly frustrating. And so I made the decision to not be that person anymore. And I started reading self-help books and going to coaching seminars and, you know, anything I could do to learn about money and learn about mindset, I did and um, started turning the ship around.
2: Jen, do you think it's our story about money that keeps us stuck?
3: I do. I do. I think it all starts with mindset because every action you take is based on what you believe. So if you believe that money is evil or that you suck at making money or that the economy sucks, you're going to take very different actions than if you believe that um, making money is fun and good and that you can do it because other people have done it. You know, you'll take very different actions if those are your beliefs all starts with what's going on in your mind.
2: So somebody's listening to you right now and maybe that person has a negative type of story around money and and that person's now saying, well, wait a minute, just changing my thoughts about money. How does that make me
3: rich? Because it propels you to do different things and to look for different things. So if you believe that money is evil, then you will look for proof that that's true. And don't get me wrong, people do horrible things out of greed, mm-hmm. but money itself does awesome things every single solitary day for everybody, right? So if you want to prove that you know people are greedy and that people do horrible things for money, there is no end to the amount of proof you can find for that. But if you've decided that you are going to allow yourself to get rich and allow the possibility that money does wonderful things every day, then you will start to look for proof of that. So that's one way it changes. And then also, as I said, it changes your actions that you take. You know, if you believe it's wrong to make money, even if it's subconscious, you're, you're not going to let yourself go out and do it.
2: And I know a lot of people who, you know, I, I'm surrounded by really good people. And I know a lot of people who, who like to put good out in the world and they like to help others and they like to be in service. And most of those people have the belief that, they really shouldn't be getting paid for that. Like it should be something they should mm. be doing because they're a good person. So how do you get around that?
3: Why is that mutually exclusive? I just don't <laughs> even understand that. Right. Because we've made money wrong, right? Yeah. Because if you question that belief, so if I'm helping people, I should not get paid for that. It's a complete devalue of yourself and the work that you put out.
2: To that point, I think one of the, the greatest gifts in life is to be able to earn a living doing something positive. I don't think there's anything
3: Absolutely. better than that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and listen, I am a fan of doing things pro bono and charity work and all that stuff, but I am not a fan of devaluing what your gift is to the world and, and you know, being exhausted all the time and working yourself to the bone because you either refuse to charge or charge so little that you're constantly stressing out. So, Allow the abundance in, allow yourself to take care of yourself, and then you can k- take care of a lot more people.
2: So, we're talking about the importance of a mindset shift. And, you know, to this point, we've been talking a little bit in generalities, but if somebody wants to actually do this, what's a strategy that mm-hmm. that person can implement right now that can make a difference in his or her life?
3: First, making the decision to change. I can't stress how important that is. It sounds so simple and stupid, but. Because when you make the decision to make the change, when all of your um, defenses come up and all your reasons why not come up, if you've made that decision, you're like, okay, I see you and I'm still going to make the change. So the decision is key. Start reading self-help books. Like, you know, there's no end to books out there by people who can walk you through this stuff so you don't have to figure it out on your own. And, you know, surround yourself with other people who are kicking butt, especially who, are doing what you would like to be doing with their lives, Um, who you surround yourself with greatly affects uh, how you see the world and what you believe. You know, get a mentor, you know, take take whatever actions you can take to to turn it around. Don't just keep doing the same stuff and sort of hope that things are going to change.
2: Many people settle for less than what they're capable of achieving because they have this fear of the unknown. They're, they're afraid to change something because they don't know what would happen and there are all those what-ifs. How were you able to face your fears and transform everything about your life?
3: I got very wrapped up in my results. I, I really spent time focusing on the specifics of what the change, what the changes would look like And so I got really excited about it. So as I said, my big struggle was around money. So I got very excited about the feeling of ease and freedom that having money would bring into my life and all of the wonderful things that I could do once I had some money. So it was an emotional thing. And I think it's really important to stay attached to the emotions of the change that you seek to make in your life. And you get attached to the emotions by getting very clear on the specifics of what it's going to look like.
2: So in the process of visualizing and imagining what you'd be going through when you achieve what it is you want, that's what keeps you motivated in the downtime.
3: Exactly. And it's what will help you push through the terror of doing all the new things and the unknown things that you're going to have to do if you want to make change. Jen, in your book,
2: you write about low vibe phrases. What is a low vibe phrase? And can you
3: give us some examples? Yeah, you know, well, first of all, complaints are low vibe phrases. So mm-hmm. for me, it was always I can't afford it, um, you know, slamming rich people every chance I got, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, talking about how hard it was to make money. You know, those, you know, look at what's coming out of your mouth, especially around the thing that you say that you want to change. That's huge. Um, and it's also a great compass to help you realize, OK, these are the beliefs I've got and they're not helping me. What could I possibly shift my focus too that would help me out of this rut. So um, we all have our own specific low vibe phrases, but also the word want and try and um, can't, you know, really look out for those phrases and shift them to more powerful ones like I am, I love, I can. Little things like that they all carry energy, so paying attention is very important.
2: And in addition to that, you say that we need to create a spiritual gym. What does a spiritual mm-hmm. gym include?
3: It's basically um, all these this a practice that gets you that keeps you strong because motivation and tenacity and belief systems are all muscles that we need to strengthen. And so if you're living in a certain quote unquote reality and you're surrounded by people who have certain belief systems and you've been living an entire life with certain belief systems and you desire to change them, you have to strengthen those muscles. So a spiritual gym practice, as I call it, is reading the self-help books. And this is something you do every single damn day, because just like when you get into shape physically, you got to keep showing up to keep strengthening and stay in shape. So Find a self help book that is really helpful and figure out how much are you going to read it five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day? When are you going to read it? Are you meditating? When are you going to do that? For how long and where? Um, what music are you listening to? Stuff that lifts you up or makes you want to split your wrists? Who are you hanging out with? Do you have a mastermind partner? Do you have a coach? You know, do you exercise? What, what is it that energizes you? And you've got to put a specific practice together and you have to do it every single day. And I'm talking even 10 minutes a day can make a huge difference in your life. And
2: everything you're talking about, you know, it, it requires taking ownership of your life. It requires putting the effort in and the time in and it requires eliminating all of the excuses that we tell ourselves for the reasons why we can't
3: do the things that you're suggesting we do hmm And that's why this whole thing of staying attached to the vision of the result is critical because those excuses have been around a long time and they've served us very well to keep us exactly where we are. And a lot of them are very justifiable, right? Like it's very responsible to do what we're doing. We're doing the safe, smart thing. Meanwhile, going for your dreams can seem crazy and irresponsible and whatever. So you've got to really hold fast to the feeling of excitement around your desired result because those excuses will come in so fast and knock you down if you don't
2: you know i'm i'm listening to you and i was for 43 years of my life i was one of those people who played it safe who was in her comfort zone who made excuses and and really believed all of the things i told myself why mm-hmm. i couldn't do something and it took a complete upheaval of my life for me mm-hmm. to learn that everything you're saying, it, it's absolutely true because I've done it all. And that is when mm-hmm. you see transformation. It's when you get to know who you are. It's when you come into your power. And you really can make things happen if you push those excuses aside and do the work. Hmm. Yeah.
3: But and- we love to cling to them because it's safe and known and familiar. Meanwhile, we got one shot at life on planet Earth. and you know, and, and I don't, and I don't believe that everybody has to make a million dollars and get their own television show. You know, right. whatever lights up your heart—that's what we're talking about, and exactly. that's all that
2: matters. And and just really starting to live your life, and, and and stop staying what I say in the waiting room of of your life, waiting for something mm-hmm. to happen to go out and right. make it happen. Right. So you say that we should learn how to let feelings take over for logic in guiding some of our decisions. And most people do the opposite of that. So explain to us what Mm -hmm. you mean about letting feelings take over for logic.
3: I think they're both very important. I'm a fan of the brain and the logic and education and all that stuff. But my point with that is, we do it at the cost of our intuition and our emotion because we value the brain and logical thinking in our society. So I'm hoping people will embrace this other incredibly powerful side of ourselves that we discredit, you know, the gut, how many times have we said I should have listened to my gut. So practicing we've got, we've got the logical side down for the most part. I'm, hoping people are going to learn how to strengthen their relationship with their intuition, Mm -hmm. because that's the connection to the heart that we were just talking about.
2: And that's the part of us that we tend to push aside. I I believe most of us know what's right for us, but we don't pay attention
3: to it. Exactly. And there are no excuses in that side of ourselves. right? The logical brain has lots of excuses and lots of experience and why it's not going to work and all that stuff. But our intuition doesn't have any of that. So that's why it's so powerful.
2: And sometimes it goes against logic. Exactly.
3: Most of the time it
2: does. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jen, a few moments ago, we were talking about complaints and excuses that people use. And I forgot to ask you this. Is it a good practice for us when, when we have all of these excuses to figure out a way to transform them? into motivation that can enable us to take action.
3: Yeah, our excuses are our best buddies. When when you d- make that decision to change your life, you have an excellent place to start by listening to what comes out of your mouth and being like, oh, you know, because it's all about specifics. So for me, the phrase that came out of my mouth on a, you know, every 15 minutes was I can't afford it. Back in the day. And I was like, all right, I am sick of having that be my truth. So that I I forced myself to shift every time I wanted to say I can't afford it. I made myself say, money flows to me easily and freely, even though, you know, I had a lifetime of proof that it didn't. And I was living in a garage. That was the reality I chose. And so even though I didn't quote unquote believe it right away, it made me feel really excited. And it was something I, I desired. So I started um, clinging to that instead. And it shifted everything for me. It really did.
2: Where did you get the idea for the Badass series?
3: I, um, you know, when I made the decision to start changing my life, I started reading every single self-help book under the sun. And I was extremely snarky about self-help and anything woo-woo. And it, I was too cool for school. and mm-hmm. But I was desperate. So I did, you know, got out of my comfort zone and read them. And I I mean, there was such incredible information, and so many brilliant teachers. But I was like, where is the funny stuff? Where is the curse words? And um, I basically wanted to, because I'm a writer first. So I was like, well, I'm a writer and I'm reading these great books. And I feel like I could write something in my own voice that would reach a whole new group of people who are snarky like I am. And also who would just say this stuff in a different way because, you know, we hear the same stuff over and over and over. And then all of a sudden we have this aha moment because somebody maybe says it in a way that we can finally hear it. So that was my hope for this book, these books. So you're
2: teaching us how to become a badass. If you could describe that person, what does a badass look like?
3: A badass is somebody who gives themselves permission to be, do, and have whatever lights up their heart.
2: The book is You're a Badass Every Day, How to Keep Your Motivation Strong, Your Vibe High, and Your Quest for Transformation Unstoppable. If you'd like to learn more about Jen and her work, you can visit jensincero.com. Jen, thank you so much for joining us and for providing ways that we can learn how to stay motivated in our quest for whatever it is we desire. I love your definition of a badass, and I certainly am going to aspire to be
3: one. So thanks for being here. (laughs) I think you already are, but thank you for having me.
2: (laughs) This, This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Call them today at 347-903-7030. That's 347-903-7030. Or go to primohealthsolutions.com. Using metabolic typing, Primo Health Solutions will let your body work best.
2: Soul by Rain is produced from various seed flowers. Its primary ingredients hail from the black cumin seed and the black raspberry seed. These two combine to provide a powerful antioxidant
4: barrier against the
2: devastating effects of stress. Soul by Rain has been hailed as one of the most important anti-aging antioxidants ever discovered. Soul is an anti-inflammatory and it helps prevent and repair radical damages for a healthier heart. Get your soul by calling your rain partner, Elmina Ziza, at 973. 722-1154
5: Calm, vitality, mindfulness We all want them, but they seem so hard to attain Escape the stress and frenzy of the city streets New York Open Center offers courses, trainings, and a vibrant community to help you start your journey for a more balanced and healthy life Visit our website at opencenter.org for more information Stop by our cafe and bookstore for all your wellness needs Find your center at 30th and Madison.
2: Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYA, CYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends.
6: Does your child snore or breathe with their mouth hanging open at night? Are they restless or just don't get a good night's sleep? Children that don't sleep well will have other troubles like slowed physical growth, behavioral issues at home or at school, and changes in their facial appearance, including crooked teeth. At the Center for Integrative Orthodontics, we treat the reasons that crooked teeth happen. People bring their children to us as young as three from all over the East Coast. To learn more, go to morethanstraightteeth.com.
2: Berndorf, co Founder and medical director of the Motherhood Center, a treatment center in New York City for pregnant new moms experiencing anxiety and depression. She specializes in treating women before, during, and after pregnancy, as well as at other times of transition in their lives. Dr. Berndorf is an associate professor of psychiatry at Cornell. She was a regular mental health columnist for Self magazine and has appeared on numerous television programs, including The Today Show, Good Morning America, MSNBC, and CNN. Dr. Berndorf is a co-author of the new book What No One Tells You. A Guide to Your Emotions During Pregnancy and Motherhood. She's here today to discuss the Motherhood Center. Welcome, Dr. Berndorf. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, Doctor, you created the Motherhood Center to provide supportive services for new and expecting moms and for women who are experiencing postpartum depression. How prevalent are these issues for mothers? Great question. Um, They are
7: very prevalent. Uh, I think that we don't always see them because new moms tend to look like they have it all together out there but really we think as many as one in five and maybe even more than that one in three women are struggling with issues that may comprise a disorder meaning that they actually have a real anxiety disorder or depression of some sort so let's we can go with one in five but I think it's probably more because people don't tell you they don't report so, Doctor, then how does a woman know if she needs help? Hopefully, um, if someone is not feeling well and they are feeling not like themselves, that can often be the first clue, right? And now a lot of people will say, but how would I know what myself is if I'm pregnant or if I've just had a baby, that's new to me and you know, I don't feel like myself. But, I, you know, it, it sort of goes outside the range of um, what feels tolerable to someone. So meaning if someone has a lot of distress, let's say they're anxious. Okay, maybe they were always anxious, but now they're anxious to a level that they really aren't tolerating well. They're, they're distressed. The anxiety is intrusive. It's always, it's happening. It's, it's making it hard for them to live their life. That's a level that one should worry about and, and thus tell someone and get help. And I would say the same thing for the depressive kinds of um, illnesses. If someone's feeling down and sad, I mean, maybe you aren't sleeping that well. Again, those things are common in pregnancy and postpartum, or you're not eating normally, or your energy levels low, people will say things like, oh, that's typical. That's what happens. Mm -hmm. But to your question, when you're outside of that range, it's something like, but I feel despairing and I feel kind of hopeless and nothing, you know, the world looks bleak. It's sort of black and white versus in color. So you start to get other symptoms that hopefully clue you or others around you
2: or a doctor who you're talking to into the idea that something more is happening. What types of programs are available at the Motherhood Center and why do you believe they're so helpful?
7: Oh, well, you know, we are one of, um, I'll tell you all about it, but what I want to tell you is treatment is not that easy to find. I mean, it's very effective. So I mm-hmm. want to give hope and say like these disorders that are highly common, postpartum depression, depression during pregnancy, postpartum OCD, OCD during pregnancy, right? All these things, you know, anxiety and depressive disorders are so treatable. So I just want to like say that loud and clear, very treatable. And there are are places if you can get to the right people who can um, help you identify and treat so the reason that the motherhood Center that, that, that I co-founded this and and we've created this intensive treatment program is because there's just not enough out there right there aren't enough treatment providers or people doing the specific kind of care we wanted to provide so that's been a goal and mission of mine throughout my academic Career and um, it sort of culminates here at the center, where we have a whole range of treatments, right? So anything from mild to severe. So somebody who just wants to come for class or do uh, get some some supportive care in a support group, we've got that. And on the other end of the spectrum, we also have what's called a day program, where women who are really struggling with moderate to severe anxiety or depression, whether they're pregnant or postpartum, can come for the day, from 9:45 to 2:45. They come every day for intensive outpatient therapies. And they do group therapies, individual, family. They bring their babies. We have a nursery on site. They do what we call dyadic treatment, which is mother-baby. We help them sort of, you know, a lot of women are don't know what to do with a new baby. They they can run a company, but how do they deal with a little thing that, that's totally dependent and is not able to be controlled per se, you know? So it's it's fascinating. And then in between, we have sort of for the mild to moderate range of people um, experiencing, you know, different issues around the transition to motherhood or parenthood, we have outpatient therapy. So we kind of do three different ways to consider um, help for the
2: women in this stage of life. Doctor, thank you so much for being here with us. If you would like to get more information about the Motherhood Center and the programs that are available, you can visit themotherhoodcenter.com. We'll be right back.
5: Did you know that resistance training builds more than just your muscles? I'm Christina Nemec, co-founder of Path Health Consultants. Here at PATH, we focus on using lifestyle to prevent and manage health risks. We're a workplace wellness firm dedicated to improving the bottom line of the organizations we work with. Our innovative, personalized approach to wellness supports employees as they adopt and sustain behaviors that improve or maintain their health. In addition, we offer a variety of health seminars and workshops to companies interested in educating and supporting their employees in a group setting. Osteoporosis is a major health problem for many older adults. It's estimated that osteoporosis causes 15 million fractures in adults over the age of 50 every year in the U.S. alone. Any weight-bearing exercise can improve bone density, but resistance training has an even more substantial effect on bone strength than aerobic activities like running or walking. Resistance training can include activities like lifting weights, using resistance bands, weight machines, suspension systems, and even using your own body weight. And resistance training can be done anywhere, at home, in a hotel room, a gym, or even outside. So get out there and use some resistance to strengthen your bones. If you'd like more information on workplace wellness, please contact us at pathhealthllc.com.
6: We all recognize that the cost of medical insurance is constantly rising. Do you review your health coverage each year to see if your current insurance company and benefits are still your best option? The goal of consumer-driven health plans is to save premium dollars and give a covered individual greater control over how their health care dollars are spent. These types of programs shift out-of-pocket exposure from premium dollars to the payment of claims once they've actually been incurred. Ideally, the savings associated with purchasing a consumer-driven health plan would be used to fund an HR. Hi, I'm Ed Gaelic, a life and health insurance broker and founder of PSI Consultants, located in Glenrock, New Jersey. We have specialized in personal insurance and company-sponsored health benefits since 1985. Health savings accounts are available to almost everyone who participates in a qualified high-deductible health plan, or HDHP. Money going into an HSA is tax-deductible, money coming out tax-free, provided you use that money to reimburse yourself for qualified medical expenses. Stay healthy and or manage care wisely, such as using a Tier 1 drug versus a Tier 2 or Tier 3, and you accumulate more of your money in the HSA. An HDHP applies a deductible to all eligible expenses first, including prescriptions. So in essence, you are self-insuring up to your deductible. Only preventive care may be covered on a first-dollar basis. In addition, for anyone with dependents, there is a family aggregate deductible, which is typically double the individual amount, which can be met by one family member or any combination of those covered. The same family aggregate rule would apply to the max out-of-pocket as well. These two aspects of an HDHP would make the premium less compared to a conventional plan. To contact us and learn more, please visit our website at psi-consultants.com.
2: This is Joan Herman. I am honored to be a special ambassador for the 2019 Coman North Jersey Race for the Cure. I hope that you'll join me and my race team on Sunday, May 5th at Liberty State Park for this 5K fun walk and 5K timed run. Sign up for my team at CYACYL.com slash Coman. That's CYACYL.com slash Coman. Join the fight. Save lives. Register now.
0: This is Jersey New York City
2: back to conversations with Joan, I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. If you're a business owner, you know the challenges of keeping a business alive. Joining us today to provide insight into funding a small business is Al Izzy, an expert in the economics and funding alternatives for small business owners. Over the course of his 40-year career, Al has held senior management positions as CEO and CFO. He was the executive director of New York City's Financial Information Services Agency during the Koch administration. Al is the author of the book, Entrepreneurs, Your Small Business, Do It the Right Way. Welcome, Al. Thanks for joining us.
8: Thanks for having me.
2: So, Al, anyone who runs a small business understands the challenges that are faced daily in order to keep that business funded. What are some of the issues small business entrepreneurs are faced with in trying to obtain funding to start a business or to grow and expand an existing one?
8: Well, first, if you address the people or entrepreneurs that are looking uh, to start a business, uh, some of the issues are having enough capital to uh, fund the initial down payment. That's number one. Uh, number two is having some uh, tangible assets as collateral uh, to uh, fund a business. Uh, and then the other uh, issue is uh, having good credit. Since you're starting a business, the only credit the lenders can depend on or have knowledge of is your personal credit. So that plays a key role with anyone that's looking to start a, uh, a new business. As for people that are in business, a lot of the issues they face, and, and especially in the small business area, is in, in reporting income and making sure that they account for all the revenue uh, and make sure that they can show good cash flow. In in an attempt, many small business owners uh, try to avoid paying taxes. So as a result, they don't show a profit or good cash flow. Uh, Therefore, when they're going to obtain funding, uh, the banks have a problem because the business is not generating the cash flow to support the uh, loan the uh, business re- is uh, requesting.
2: Al, you just mentioned that personal credit is a key factor in obtaining a business loan. I know a lot of people that don't necessarily have good personal credit. Does that play a major role in whether or not they will get funding?
8: Oh, yes. In, in terms of your personal credit, as I mentioned before, whether you're a starting or have an existing business, since you're the principal owner, uh, the banks look towards the, the credit. Many small businesses, uh, it's tough to establish a small business credit. So when, when you're looking for funding, if your credit scores are not uh, 680 and above, uh, it's very difficult for you to get a, uh, a business loan. And, and some of the uh, issues that you have to be careful of on, on your credit is any collection notice, any ta- uh, tax lien uh, and anything of that nature of bankruptcy, those are red flags that uh, make it very difficult for anybody to obtain a business loan.
2: Are there any options for someone that does have poor personal credit?
8: Uh, there are secondary lenders in, in some cases. Uh, they're, they're legal financial companies that will uh, look at the business, look at the individual, look at the experience. Uh, the interest rates are usually high and they usually lend on a short-term basis. Uh, the key factor in the lending is the, uh, what kind of collateral you can uh, offer uh, in addition to the business assets. So uh, a personal home, a home or some type of tangible asset is very useful in obtaining funding.
2: Is it wise to put your home up As collateral for a business loan or should you keep those two areas of your life separate
8: usually in most cases if you own a home uh, the lenders will look towards uh, placing a collateral lien and using that home as as collateral and uh, whatever equity is available in the home so if you're going for a, a business loan and you do own property In most cases, you will have to use that property as collateral. It also improves your chances for getting funding. It's very difficult if you don't have, say, a personal home or home or tangible assets to obtain the funding.
2: Al, what are the primary funding sources for small business owners?
8: The major resource is what they call the Small Business Administration Guarantee Loan Program. Uh, this is a program uh, that the SBA has with the lenders, where the SBA will guarantee a portion of the loan to the bank. So it's, it's sort of an incentive for the banks to lend money to small businesses. Uh, the SBA, uh, the, the fee is 3%, which is paid at closing. Whether you're in business or you're going to go for a small business loan, uh, you're going to go through the SBA loan guarantee program. That's the primary source, and then you have uh, secondary lenders, which are, you know, lend uh, uh, small amounts, fifty, hundred thousand dollars like that, and and they usually have their own criteria. One one of the groups, the Union County Economic Development Corporation, is is a good resource, uh, but you can't avoid uh, going through. You have to go through the SBA loan guarantee program, and most of your banks are preferred lenders, so that means they can approve the loan. Uh, the loan process normally takes about 40 to 50 days to get uh, funding. So it's it's a good program, but you got to have the credit uh, business plan and uh, the proper financials.
2: Al, are loans the only way to obtain funding?
8: Well, there's other ways. Uh, Usually venture capitalists don't get involved with the small business unless it's some biotech or uh, computer related type software that uh, seems to, you know, going to create another Amazon or eBay. Uh, but, uh there are angel investors these uh, individuals normally uh would you know invest small sums of money and set target goals milestones and and those are available resources and last but not least, there are secondary lenders that charge very high interest rates and uh, you have got to be very careful when you lend uh, borrow from them because you could pay upwards of fifty sixty percent sometimes in interest.
2: Uh, where can small business owners go for resources?
8: Well, there are some very good, excellent resources uh, for small business. Uh, the SBA, again, Small Business Administration, uh, has uh, the, the Small Business Development Centers, which are located in every state uh, throughout the United States. Uh, and they provide uh, two things. They provide counseling for small business, and they offer seminars. Uh, and the seminars are mostly uh, are free seminars, Uh, You have SCORE, which is another offshoot of SBA. Uh, For the Small Business Development Centers, there are 12 centers throughout New Jersey, for example. All you have to do is go online or uh, give a call and they'll set up an appointment and they'll work with you as often as uh, need be. So it's an excellent resource. And again, it's uh, been around about 35, 40 years now.
2: Now, Al, you wrote a book called Entrepreneurs, Your Small Business, Do It Right. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you believe small business owners make?
8: Well, it, one of the major factors is uh, doing the proper amount of research. Uh, I know the internet is is very useful, and you can do a lot of uh, research and so forth. But the big mistake is making sure you put the uh, you can put a, a good business plan together and, and know how to do the projections and. Uh, projectile potential revenue. And and then a lot of mistakes people make is uh, the fact of going into business. Uh, I, I always ask them, uh, do you have a passion? If you don't have a passion for what you're trying to do, that's a big mistake in itself because, you know, you're going to be spending a lot of time. You're going to be committing your personal assets. And uh, if you you don't have the passion to, uh, for your business, it's not going to work. So uh, the business plan and understanding you know, what you're trying to do and What kind of goals you want to set for yourself?
2: Al, you've been working with entrepreneurs for many years. If you could sum it up, what are some of the personal characteristics that most successful business owners have?
8: Uh, well, I, I put right at the top is, is they're passionate about what they want to do. Uh, and they can look at uh, sometimes when things aren't going in their direction, they can take advantage and instead of taking it as a uh, being dissatisfied, they look at it as, as an opportunity to move forward. So having a passion for what you uh, would like to do and really understanding w- what you're trying to do and what type of goals you're trying to accomplish. Uh, if you have a certain income goal, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to make a lot of money. But again, evaluate where you're trying to go with yourself and your business. And I think that's important.
2: Al, what is the message that you wanted to convey to entrepreneurs through your book?
8: Well, I wanted to show them that uh, in terms of uh, looking at themselves and uh, their, uh, you know, using the assessment process and, and the initial messages, there are a lot of misleading information uh, out there about starting a business, how easy it is to get funding, and so forth. And uh, a big surprise comes when people realize that they have to have a certain credit score, and also uh, they have to have some collateral. And, you know, get the cash to put into a business. Uh, Lenders usually look for 10, 15, sometimes 20 percent of what you're trying to get uh, in order to start your business. So uh, they have to in my book, I'm trying to convey there's a process to go through. Uh, There's no real shortcut. Make sure that you uh, your business plan is a complete story. And uh, it tells what you're trying to do and how you plan to get there and what kind of money you need to do it. Alan,
2: about 30 seconds or less. What's the takeaway? What's one thing you'd like to leave our listeners
8: with? Very simply, look at your current situation and uh, look at what you're trying to accomplish with your small business, where you see yourself down the road, three to five years, do you have an exit strategy, meaning what do you plan to do with this business as it moves forward, expand, sell, etc.? cetera?
2: Al, thank you for joining us and for providing insight that can help a person start a business or grow an existing one. Business ownership is challenging, but the rewards can be great. So thank you.
8: Very welcome. Appreciate it. Thank you.
2: This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
1: Does your child struggle sometimes on tests? Hi, I'm Scott Doty, CEO of Brainstorm Tutoring, an elite network of private academic mentors in the NYC area. So the main reason people struggle when the stakes are really big on test day is that they believe a pernicious little lie, namely that the outcome of the test matters, that it truly deeply is important and will forever impact the future success and worth of the individual. People really build things up in their minds, and it is not healthy for their performance. And you as a parent can do two things to be helpful to your child if he or she struggles on test day. Just remind your child you love them, that this test has nothing to do with your love for your child, with your loyalty to your child, and this test has nothing to do with their overall worth as an individual. That's an important message that a child always needs to hear from her mom or her father. Ground your child back in reality. Listen, honey, if you fail this Spanish quiz, life goes on. You're going to have another Spanish quiz next week. If you don't get a great grade this marking period, there's another marking period next time. If you don't get your awesome SAT score this time, you can do it next month. You'll have another chance. And furthermore, there are lots of reasons you get into college. It's not just your test scores. Remind your child that the stakes aren't as huge as he or she thinks, and you'll give them a gift for life. Again, I'm Scott Jody from Brainstorm. If you have any other questions, check out stormthetest.com.
9: When was the last time you cleaned out your closet? Hi, I'm Sonica Guadara, certified personal fashion stylist and founder of Style by Sonica. It can be difficult to let go of pretty things that once made your heart flutter or that sweater a relative knit for you. Or what about those pair of jeans you keep saying you'll fit into once you lose the weight? Justifying to keep pieces you no longer need, especially the ones that you spent hard-earned money, can be a daunting task. But when your closet is full to capacity... A closet edit is a must, especially if you are constantly saying that you have nothing to wear with a closet full of clothes. Once you have decided it's time to edit your closet, take in mind the following key factors when doing the edit. Does the garment fit? Have I worn this in the last year? Will I wear it again? Is this in style? Would I buy this today? And last but not least, do I feel confident when wearing this? If you say no, it's time to let go, donate, sell, or toss. If you want to learn more about me and personal styling, visit me at stylebysonica.com.
4: If you're thinking about selling your home and buying a new one, One of the first thoughts that might come to mind is, what if I list my home and it sells quickly? Then where will I live? Hi, my name is Danielle Grosso, a real estate agent from Experience Real Estate with Keller Williams Realty. And that's one of the most common questions I receive when consulting a future seller about listing their home. The good news is that there are many options for you, some of which I will explain today. In the event that you don't find and close on your new home that you are purchasing before you sell the current home that you're living in, you can consider a short-term rental of possibly four to six months since many apartment complexes do offer that a more common option that we're seeing today is temporary housing buildings which are a mix between a hotel and an apartment complex and are convenient enjoyable and even affordable you can move in with a son or daughter or brother or sister or maybe rent a family member or friend's extra home, which I see many people do. And lastly, you could consider accepting an offer from a buyer that understands and is okay with a home purchase contingency, meaning you can't move forward with this transaction or close on your home until you are under contract with the home that you are purchasing. If you have any further questions about this or real estate in general, please feel free to contact me anytime at, Danielle at danielle-grosso.com.
2: a happy, productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our coach on-call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Amy Collins, author of the book Infant Inspiration and creator of the online course Moms Courageous Women Raising the Next Generation. Amy promotes thoughtful conversations around motherhood. Her insightful perspectives look to empower mothers to own their role, clarify how it works best for them, and confidently express it. She's here today to talk about the importance of listening in our world as mom specifically welcome Amy thanks for joining us it's always fun to be here Joan so Amy we're good talkers but not such good listeners do you think listening is a quality or skill that people value today unfortunately Joan the world
10: is louder than ever before mm-hmm. and with social media it's really all about marketing and self-promotion so when you take a look around, everyone is really talking and you sometimes need to wonder who's listening. So, yes, I, I do think that listening is being overlooked.
2: Why do you think being a good listener is so important to our relationships?
10: Listening is the basis of all true relationships because it's when we listen to each other. That's when we really learn who the other person is. We develop true relationships. We trust each other because there's a genuine sense of connection. And we all need to be reminded of this value of listening. It's really a skill that we need to learn and role model as mothers. Amy, can you give us a tip that
2: can help us become a better listener?
10: I'd be happy to, Joan. Something that I know is a challenge for me, but definitely makes a difference when I'm speaking with my children, my husband, my friends, anyone really. But especially as a mom, when I'm listening to my children, When I actually put my phone aside, out of sight, or the screen in front of me, when I fold it down and put it away, this immediately makes a positive impact on our children because they know that I am 100% present to them. And despite all the distractions that are going on in our current world, we're in front of them, looking at them and listening. And that is such an important skill, as I said, to learn. It's an important skill as a mother to teach and to role model. I'd love to share a quote with you from the website Urban Confessionals. They promote free listening. And on their website, it states, being heard is so close to being loved that most people can't tell the difference. So my tip would be to really listen to our children, to our families, to those we love.
2: Amy, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about this topic or if you'd like to learn more about Amy and her work, you can visit her website, createclarity.net. And as always, to hear more from Amy, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Amy.
11: If you are a caregiver, you know firsthand it's not easy. Many caregivers feel as if they're losing themselves. It can be hard to know where you end and your loved one begins because they may have so many needs and in some cases are totally dependent on you. Hi, I'm Donna Sacconi, an integrative psychotherapist. Here are some tips for good self-care practice if you're a caregiver. First and foremost, eat healthily and get the proper amount of sleep. Throughout the day, intermittently stop to pause and do two things. Tune into your body and notice the quality of your thoughts. Use deep belly or diaphragmatic breathing for a few minutes at a time. This supplies more oxygen to the cells, increases blood flow to the brain, and has been shown to reduce the stress chemical cortisol. Replace negative thoughts with positive ones. Negative thoughts keep us stuck and feeling like a victim. By contrast, positive thoughts lead to a sense of contentment and ease and will brighten your outlook on the day. Stretch your tight muscles. This not only helps relieve stress but improves blood flow, reduces fatigue and leaves you feeling energized. Use aromatherapy. Using essential oils can help alleviate distress, improve quality of sleep and promote a sense of calm and well-being. Develop your support system. Research shows that having a support system not only leads to higher levels of happiness and satisfaction but can improve your general health and keep your immune system strong. Commit to taking enjoyable breaks and do something relaxing or fun. It can be as simple is going for a walk in nature to connecting with a friend over coffee. To
12: learn more, connect with me at DonnaSaccone.com. When someone is diagnosed with cancer, they are hit with a barrage of emotions such as fear, anxiety, depression, and desperation. Hi, my name is Roxanne D'Angelo, a certified Reiki master. What is most needed during this crucial time is knowledge that will empower us to choose the appropriate, traditional, and alternative treatments. Reiki is the perfect complementary medicine to incorporate into a cancer treatment plan that offers emotional support with many healing benefits. Reiki is a Japanese practice meaning transfer of universal life energy. It's like having your internal healing switch turned on. According to the American Journal of Integrative Cancer Therapies, Reiki was considered helpful in improving well Well-being by 70%. Relaxation by 88%. Anxiety and worry 75% pain relief 45%, improved mood 81%, and decreased fatigue. We have an energetic system called our chakras, which correspond to different parts of the body while governing functions of the organs and glands, as well as specific aspects of the mental, emotional, and spiritual dimensions. If any of these chakras are blocked, the energy cannot flow freely, resulting in dis-ease and dysfunction in that region. Reiki opens up these blockages, allowing energy to flow at a cellular level. Bottom line, Reiki is accepted and being used to help alleviate symptoms of cancer treatment and aid in quick recovery. If you would like more information, you can visit me on the web at crystalclearenergies.com or call two zero one six one five zero nine six zero.
2: That's it for today's show. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Conversations with Joan, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided are the opinions of our guests and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on the site, listen to past shows on demand, read our digital magazine, take part in the book club, check out our team, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.